G'day, g'day. My name's Jackson, and this is episode 7 of Just Another NBA Podcast. And today I want to just almost have a little bit of a rant about uh, about the Clippers. As I'm sure we all know, they lost to the Denver Nuggets yesterday in Game 7 after being up 3-1 and arguably being one of the more talented teams put together in NBA history, as well as being the title favourite, especially to me. I expected this team to win the title. Just looking at their roster, they should have won the title. Um, and they went against a, a Nuggets team that continues to surprise me. I did not expect them to be this good. Jokic is coming out being one of the best centers in playoff history with his performances. I mean, if this guy can just get a little bit of better understanding on the defensive end, he has the chance to go down as one of the best centers of all time with his skill set. But we're not going to be talking about the Nuggets. We're going to be talking about the Clippers and what I think has gone wrong with them. And while they were actually they were more of a more of a mirage than anything else. And when you really get down to it, I think most of the blame for this has to fall on the head of Doc Rivers and the two stars. Now we're going to go. We're going to take a little bit of a rewind. Right, we're going to go back in time, and we're going to have a look at Doc Rivers. And I believe, and I had this, I had this sneaking suspicion during Lob City, but it's, it's sort of been solidified now that Doc Rivers is not a top tier coach, and I don't think he ever really has been. And I know a lot of you are probably sitting there thinking, "Oh, but he won Coach of the Year back with Orlando," and, "Oh, well, he." He, he has that title with the Celtics. And I mean, those Orlando teams never really did much. I mean, they might have had some good records, but they really didn't do much. And he's also the reason that they didn't get Tim Duncan back in, I think it was 2000, because he wouldn't let family members on the private jet. Like, I mean, that, that just... I mean, I'm happy being a Spurs fan that they didn't lure Timmy away from us, but... Like, if, if a superstar, a, a finals MVP, has one request of bringing his family on the flight, and I'm sure he wasn't asking for, like, his cousins and second cousins, but you, you just let the man bring his family on the, on the plane. It just doesn't make sense to me. But then, let's move towards the, the Celtics, which is where a lot of people give Doc a lot of the respect that he has. And this reputation that he's built. He had a team that was built up of an all-defensive all-star guard in Rondo. And this is the Rondo that everyone looked back on very fondly. Because he was absolutely amazing to watch. It was a beautiful blend of uh, facilitating and a very elite defense. You then had arguably the best shooter of all time until Steph came onto the scene in Ray Allen. You had a very underrated, although a very horrible analyst in Paul Pierce, who is one of the best scoring wings the league's ever seen. And then you have arguably a top three power forward in Kevin Garnett, who also won Defensive Player of the Year whilst with this team. Who also won multiple, who also, not multiple, he also won MVPs and was a consistent MVP candidate as well as all-star and all-nba and all these other things 
And you then had manning the middle, Kendrick Perkins, who was the weaker link in the starting five, but still was able to give some quality minutes. Just, this was young Kendrick Perkins, so he still had a little bit of spring in his step compared to his OKC days. And they only won one title. This is one of the best teams ever built. Well, best starting fives ever built. And they won one title. They got beaten out by Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson from the Orlando Magic in 09. Like, I mean, come on, that's just... You need to do better than that. When you have such a collection of talent, it's just... And then you then you move you move forward, and you have the Lob City era, which to me was one of the more entertaining teams of basketball in the modern era. I mean, watching CP3's connection with DeAndre Jordan as well as Blake Griffin was just terrific to watch. And then you had guys like JJ Redick on the wing, shooting lights out, as well as having okay small forwards. I mean, Wesley Johnson's nothing amazing, but you had guys like Matt Barnes and a few other guys that were able to give at least some somewhat quality minutes. They weren't stars or anything, but they they propped the team up at least. And that team never reached the Western Conference Finals. And a lot of people seem to put the blame on Chris Paul for choking in the playoffs or um, Blake Griffin for always being injured on DeAndre Jordan. He's, he's not a creator, so he obviously needs to be He's a defensive-minded rim-running center. Like, you need to have the pieces around for that type of player to really have the most impact on a game. And I'm starting to really think that this is more on Doc's head than on the players. Because as a fan, you you sort of lean towards blaming the players because that's what you physically see. Like, you see... Paul George having this horrendous nights. You see Kawhi Leonard just not be the guy you think he is. You see Pat Bev foul out with two points. Like, you think it's more of this, it has to be the players. But I think a lot of what happened, especially in this series, is from Doc Rivers and his sort of inability, similar to Budenholzer, to just not make in-game adjustments, to not change things, to not sort of put his foot down and tell his stars that they need to play instead of consistently load managing, which everyone always said, oh, well, it's not going to affect chemistry. And whilst it might not affect the like the chemistry between players, as in like friendships, I think that it definitely affects the way you play with someone on the court because you don't actually get those reps in of playing actual games. And you can play all these games in training and all that type of stuff and you're, you can go through the motions, but once you're in that arena and things actually matter, it's a completely different feeling. It's a completely different context, which completely affects what you're doing. And I think that that actually had a lot of to, lot to do with just how this team played. They almost It almost felt like they were just playing pickup ball, and there wasn't really much of a, a system going through. There wasn't really much of the sort of set, high intelligence plays, which you see from these other teams, like you see from the Nuggets. I mean, you you look at all the shot taking from both teams, and regardless of percentage-wise, just the looks that they were getting, the Clippers' looks almost seemed forced, and almost very rarely were they able to get these open-wide shots, especially when you compare it to the Nuggets, who have this very free-flowing offensive system which relies heavily on getting the open shots, which they create quite consistently. 
well, the, the Clippers just don't do that. And that, that's one of the main reasons why they really struggled against this, this offense from the Nuggets. And, I mean, even on defense, half the time they just felt like they were disengaged and didn't really feel like they had a system going to stop guys like Jokic or Murray or even Harris or Millsap, for that matter, in, um, I believe it was game three or four. And you, you just need to do better, especially when you have such talent. I mean, this was one of the worst shooting performances of this team's whole season. They had an effective field goal percentage of 40.2, which when you go through percentiles, sits in the fourth percentile. Like, that, that's, that's disgusting. This is a playoff game. You guys are all meant to be professionals, and you have guys... Like, this team, to me, when you look at them, is they're a team of individuals. They're not a team. I mean... I mean, let's just, let's just go through the accolades of these guys. I mean, you got Kawhi Leonard, who's a two-time Finals MVP, had one of the arguably greatest postseason runs in history with the Raptors last season. He's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, a consistent MVP candidate, a consistent All-Star, a consistent All-NBA talent, a consistent All-Defensive talent. And in this game, seven, he shot six from 22, two from seven from three, and had no free throws whilst having one of the highest usages of his season. I mean, it, that, that that's not the Kawhi that we've come to expect, and I'm, I'm concerned that we may have blown up the reputation of Kawhi so much because of a singular great postseason run. I mean, a lot of people had him as the greatest player in the league, and he's shown flashes of being able to do that, but I mean, this series... And especially Game 7, he just, he just wasn't the man that we expect him to be. And it's almost like I feel like he... Whilst he had this good postseason run with the Raptors, that was more based off the fact that the base of that team was incredibly high. I mean, you've seen them now. They got to the, the semi-finals and they pushed the Boston Celtics, who I think are going to go to the finals, even after the insane game against the Heat yesterday. I think that they're the more... The more title contending team when you compare them and they were able to put the Raptors were able to push the Celtics to seven games and that was a, one of the best playoff series I've ever seen but this Clippers team just doesn't seem to have that base but they have all the talent I mean let's just keep going through them you got Paul George who's a perennial MVP candidate for good part of the recent years consistent all defensive talent consistent all NBA talent consistent all-star I mean, this guy in the regular season has flashes of being Kobe-esque, being locked in on both sides of the ball, being able to contribute consistently across the board. But for some reason, when it comes to the playoffs, I'm not sure if he's scared of the limelight or if he's just, he gets nervous or he has anxiety issues. But I mean, the, he shot four from 16 and two from 11 from three and only shot one free throw and missed it. I mean, that's just, it's just insane. And I mean, they, they, I just don't get how this team fell apart like this. I mean, let's just keep going. You got Pat Bev, an all-defensive talent point guard in a league where um, point guards are beginning to basically run the show and you're going against a team where most of their offense comes out of the point guard position and this apparent bulldog of a player can't even remotely slow him down. I mean, he fouled out in, I think it was game six, with two points. Like, that, that's not this bulldog mentality that Pat Bev is apparently meant to have. Like, that's just... Why? And then you've got 
You got Marcus Morris, who is one of the more highly touted skill sets in the league. I mean, when him and his brother went on the buy the, um, the buy market, they just every team wanted them because they have that three and D skill set that you can plug and play. But he was also a bit of a non-factor. He just is a bit of a loud mouth, honestly, when you look at him. And then you go down the list. I mean, Avaki Zubac is blossoming into a very talented rim-running center. Um, they definitely should have played him more than they did Montrez Harrell because Harrell just was getting completely eaten up by Jokic and the Denver Nuggets team. They were able to make him basically do nothing except for occasionally score. I mean, he had a good scoring game in Game 7, but he defensively just lets away so much. And I just don't think that his offensive output, especially in a situation going against this Nuggets team, was any much help. You needed to have a more defensive focus center out there with Jokic, which would have been Zubac, but they only played him 14 minutes for some reason. And they it, that was one of the coaching decisions from Doc, which didn't make any sense to me. It almost felt like they were trying to pad up this guy because maybe he had an ego that if you didn't play him certain enough, he'd start to whinge. And that's not a championship team. Like, you, you have to be able to play your role. It's just like with the, the Lakers going against the Rockets. Vogel realized that McGee and Howard just weren't the right players to play against that team. So he changed it up. And you, you look on the bench and you still see Dwight Howard being one of the loudest supporters of the team. You still see JaVale McGee being an absolute idiot on the sideline just supporting his teammates. And that's what you need to do. I mean, you can still have him play when you need bursts of offense. But I feel like you had to have pulled his minutes back to allow for a more defensive scheme to set in against this offensive powerhouse in, in, the, in the Nuggets. And that's what I mean. Like, they have Montrez Harrell, who was the reigning sixth man of the year. They have Lou Williams, who was another six-man candidate who only had four points this game, had a disgusting shooting game. He shot 20% from the field and missed all three of his three-point attempts. And their bench just seems to be lacking a lot in the way of defense. I mean, the only real defensive player that they have in the consistent rotation off the bench is maybe Jermichael Green. I mean, Lou Williams could barely stop a, a brisk breeze. Montrez Harrell is undersized and just doesn't have the defensive IQ. Landry Shamet is basically just a shooter with a little bit of athleticism. Um, he definitely needs to bump up his defensive IQ just to be able to help out the team. I know that he sprained his ankle pretty early on and hit that actually really cool three when you saw him do it. Um, hope he's all good. But it's almost like this team, when you look at their starting five, you think, damn, that's a real good defensive team. You've got all these defensive player of the years. You even have Joaquin Noah on the bench, who, I mean, didn't actually play. But you have all these defensive talents in the starting five, but then all your bench couldn't stop a little league team. I mean, who the hell is Lou Williams going to stop? Who the hell are these people going to actually be able to stop and go on runs when... Every time you're going down the court, no one there can really guard their man. And I feel that this team, one of the biggest issues they had was that they, they knew that they were going to be the best. I mean, you had Pat Bev saying they're the best team in LA. You had all these other players being like, it's going to be LA versus LA in the conference finals. And all the media people were saying that the Clippers were going to win because Kawhi's rested, Paul George is rested. All these players have had plenty of rest. They're not worn out. Like, oh, LeBron's had to play all these games. Anthony Davis has had to play all these games. Like, oh, they're going to be worn out. But I think it's more that this team became almost complacent 
and they rested on their laurels and they sort of just accepted that they, they were the best and they were going to win. It didn't matter. And even in this series, even in when the, the Nuggets were coming back in game six, you, you look at some of the, the defensive sets from guys like Morris, Harrell, Williams, they just sort of just let the guy blow past them or they just don't, they don't switch, they don't adjust, they don't do anything in the way of help defense. I just, I don't know what this team was doing half the time. And I mean, how, how can you, especially this team that has so much in the way of star talent. I mean, I'm pretty sure this whole team, if you got all their accolades, you'd be able to fill an entire room with trophies and plaques. But they blew double-digit leads in about four of these games. How is that possible when you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, who can give you all these buckets, and two of the, two out of those three are able to stop all the buckets? It's just astounding to me that this team lost. They were the team that I thought was going to win, and then as soon as we got into Game 7, I was like, the only way the Nuggets are going to win is if the Clippers beat themselves. And just looking at these numbers, they beat themselves. It was horrible. I mean, Kawhi, most of his shots were assisted on. This is the most shots that he had that were assisted on. And, I mean, come on. This team is meant to be the almighty Clippers. This is meant to turn the franchise around. They gave away something on the way of five first-round picks, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari for Paul George. They gave away their entire future for a guy who went four from 16 in, in Game 7. I mean, seriously? I saw a statistic that Paul George is actually 1-9 in elimination games. I mean, when I saw that trade to begin with, when it was the, the, the whole future of the Clippers, as well as um, Shea and Gallinari for Paul George, I was sitting there being like, oh, I feel like this is going to be one of those trades that we look back on and think, oh, uh, what are you doing? And... I mean, I hope just for Paul George's mental sake that he's able to come back next year and pull this out. But, I mean, you got you got all these guys coming to the news now being like, oh, well, we didn't know that this was championship or bust or, oh, we, well, we've had these issues. When the entire time before that, they're sitting there pumping their chest out saying that they're the best and, oh, we're, 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 the, we're the winners, we're going to win everything. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's fun watching someone who pumps themselves up fall. I mean, especially being Australian, we like the underdog stories and we like um, seeing the little guy win. And even though I was really expecting this Clippers team to, to pull it through, it it did give me a little bit of satisfaction watching this juggernaut that trash-talked Dame Lillard, that um, trash-talked Luca and all these other guys go down to a team of <laughs> Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. I mean... It's, it's just funny. You had guys like Jeremy Grant absolutely playing stellar defense on this Clippers team. You had Torrey Craig doing everything he needed. You had Michael Porter really doing nothing. But they still were able to grind this out and get the win. And, oh, I mean, I'd, 
I'm sitting here and I want to say that I'm, I'm going to pick the Lakers next round, but just watching this Nuggets team after what they did to the Jazz, which arguably was a series that I thought would have been an absolute non-factor and would have been just sort of a, oh, well, they're just playing. I didn't even watch the first two games until the rest of the game started to really heat up, so I actually went back and watched them. And it was like a historic playoff series. So I'm really scared to be overconfident like the Clippers and say, oh, well, I think the Lakers have got this. Um, because this Nuggets team is the definition of a wild card, mate, and I got no bloody clue who's going to win that series, to be honest, after all this. I'm, I'm a bit scared to put my money down anywhere. But uh, if I had to, I, I would be putting it on LeBron because I've learned to never bet against him. I've lost a little bit of money doing that. Uh, so I'm very excited for this Western Conference uh, Finals. I hope that it's it's competitive and that it's just fun to watch. And um, I think it would be really funny to see what the ratings would be if the Finals was uh, Heat versus Nuggets because I feel like the ratings would be lower than they are now already. Um, but anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with me or ask me any questions, um, I've got an email set up and it's just another NBA page at gmail.com. That's just another NBA page at gmail.com. Um, I hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you guys in the next one. See ya.